All right, let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing upon our study this evening. So let's stand and look to our God. Our Heavenly Father, uh, it is our honor and our privilege to be able to gather in thy name uh, in order to open thy word and, and to uh, have thy spirit uh, come and to instruct and teach us. Pray that, Lord, uh, we would have open hearts and minds uh, that we would want and desire to know thy will and uh, grant to us, Lord, uh, that it would not simply be written on uh, the pages that we read, but thy word would be written upon our hearts so that we want to do it. So we desire to keep thy, thy word and thy commandments. Uh, forgive us, Lord, wherein we have failed thee, sinned against thee, uh, and, and give to us, Lord, a, a clean heart, uh, even as we approach thee. In Jesus' name, amen. So open your Bibles this evening to John chapter 10. We began last week working our way through the first few verses of John 10. I think we reached uh, verse 6, but we'll go ahead and, and begin with, uh, just by way of reading, we'll read John 10, 1, and we'll read uh, through verse 10 this evening. So John 10, 1 through 10. <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. The previous chapter is really uh, connected 
to what we're reading in John 10. In other words, though there's a chapter division, uh, there really isn't uh, a division in the context of those to whom Jesus was speaking. He was speaking to the religious leaders in John 9 uh, as the chapter ends. You remember John 9 has to do with healing of this man that was born blind. And so there's that miraculous physical healing. But then Jesus, toward the end of the chapter, turns the, di the discussion uh, to the need for a spiritual healing of the eyes, uh, not merely this man's physical healing. And so he turns this uh, in verse 41 of chapter 9. Uh, they had asked in verse 40, are we blind? Are we spiritually blind? Um, the Pharisees asked, and then Jesus said in verse 41, If ye were blind, uh, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Seems like a, a strange uh, response on the part of the Lord Jesus, but what he is saying is, if, uh, if ye recognized your blindness, if you, if you recognize that you're blind, uh, and you saw basically your self-righteousness and your blindness to uh, that, that you really are spiritually blind and you need to be able to see, uh, then you wouldn't have any sin because you'd come to me uh, and I would forgive you of your sin. But because you say, I already see, I'm self-righteous, I see with my own righteousness, with my own goodness, I see all of these things, your sin remains, but uh, you, you're, you don't see your need to come to Christ. You don't see that you need to come and seek his forgiveness. And so that's where uh, chapter 9 ended, but as we begin in chapter 10, uh, there's no break uh, in the historical context. It just continues. Jesus is still speaking, and he's still speaking to the same people when he begins in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you. So again, understand we're continuing uh, the same uh, discourse. There's, there is a shift, however, uh, whereas he was talking uh, in the previous chapter using the metaphor of blindness and sight. That was the, what he was using. Now he's switching in chapter 10 uh, to the... Uh, uh, metaphor of sheep and a shepherd and so that becomes a, a, the uh, throughout chapter 10 that becomes the metaphor that he's using and he's talking about um, they're really not he's really saying to the Pharisees you're not good shepherds uh, you're not taking care of the sheep you don't care for the sheep all you care for is yourself uh, and uh, it's all about you it's not about the sheep and so um, he's, uh, Jesus is showing to them once again, they were blind in chapter 9 and in the chapter 10. Uh, you're not shepherds of the sheep. Uh, you're strangers uh, or you're thieves. You're robbers. Uh, you're, not, you're not shepherds of the sheep. Uh, and so he spends now uh, his time talking about um, uh, the shepherd we looked at last week, how that uh, a faithful shepherd uh, 
comes through the door to the sheepfold. The door is Jesus. He doesn't try and climb over the wall uh, to get to the sheep. Those who try and climb over the wall and don't come through Christ um, uh, are thieves and robbers. You have to suspect, why are you climbing over a wall instead of coming through the gate, through the door? And so Jesus is saying, you religious leaders uh, are thieves and robbers. You've climbed over uh, the, the wall to get to the sheep. You've not come through me, the door, um, and I am the only way that you should be coming uh, in order to uh, get to the sheep. So um, they didn't understand in verse six, it says uh, uh, this parable about the sheep, the shepherd, the, uh, the thieves and robbers who climb over the wall. It says in verse six, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So they were, they were kind of clueless as to the meaning of the parable. And uh, that will become more clear uh, as the chapter unfolds. So let's look at uh, verse 7. This, this would be a new section for us. Uh, John 10, 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, very, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, he had not previously identified who the door was. He just talked about that the faithful shepherd comes to the door. He doesn't climb over the fence or the, or the wall. But now he leaves uh, no doubt at all as to who the door is. He says, I am the door of the sheep. And um, he could have left them. Uh, he could have left them in their ignorance. He could have uh, basically said, you don't understand the parable, tough. Uh, you, you know, I'm not going to explain it to you. Uh, but again, uh, Jesus, I think, is merciful in one sense, and explaining the parable to them, but in another sense, because their hearts are so hard, uh, explaining the parable to them when, they, when he knows they're going to reject it is kind of a, a judgment that he's bringing upon them because to receive light and understanding of, of the meaning of this and yet to reject it doesn't put you in a better position. It puts you in a worse position uh, than you were before. Uh, because you've rejected the, the light that the Lord has given. And so uh, that's, that's what happens here, uh, is that it's both, I think, a, a merciful for the Lord to explain what it means, but the, the consequence is that it's going to be a greater judgment upon them for the Lord explaining it to them. So Jesus says, He is the door, through whom shepherds and faithful shepherds and the sheep alike must pass. And that has to do, again, to coming to Christ, faith and trust in Christ, coming uh, unto Christ uh, as the only mediator between God and man, uh, 1 Timothy 2.5. It, uh, it has to do with coming through Christ if, as a faithful minister. Uh, the gospel has to be faithfully preached. 
uh, the doctrine of Christ has to be faithfully taught. The worship of Christ, which he alone has instituted, has to be uh, performed, as Jesus said. Um, the commandments which Jesus has given, um, those have to be, again, obeyed and followed. So, again, to come through Christ doesn't simply mean, well, I believe in Christ and that's all there is. Uh, no, to believe in Christ, that's, that's the, you might say, the first step. But, but there are, uh, if we truly believe in Christ, uh, shepherds, in other words, faithful ministers, uh, are, are going to uh, follow Christ in all that he taught. And the sheep are going to listen uh, to faithful shepherds because in the voice of the faithful shepherds, they hear the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. They don't listen to, they don't listen to men simply to be listening in, to men uh, because they like them or because uh, they're a friend of theirs or you know, for whatever reason. They listen to them because they uh, hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Uh, in the voice of the faithful shepherd. Um, they understand that what is being taught comes from Christ. And so um, that's, in, that's the sense in which Jesus is the door. And so understand when Jesus says that he is the door, he's not saying I'm one of the doors uh, to the sheepfold. There are many doors and I'm just one of them. I am the door. Uh, I'm the only door uh, into, and the sheepfold is basically um, uh, uh, the church. Uh, I am the only way um, uh, into uh, to be a part of the people of God is to come through me. Um, there's both a, an inclusivity, an inclusiveness, and an exclusivity, an exclusiveness uh, to the call of Christ. Understand again, uh, it is inclusive in that the call goes out to all who hear the gospel to come. And so there is an inclusiveness uh, when uh, the gospel is preached, when the doctrine is taught, uh, when the worship is performed, uh, there is the call to, uh, to come uh, unto Christ, all who hear, uh, to come unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, none uh, who are sinners are barred from coming to Jesus Christ because of their sin. Uh, Jesus came to save sinners. Paul says he came to save sinners of whom I am chief. And so there is an inclusivity with regard to the call of the gospel. But there's also an exclusivity because we can't make Jesus uh, to be whatever we want Jesus to be. Uh, we can't form a Jesus of our own opinion. We can't uh, make Jesus to be someone that Jesus is not. And that's the problem with so much of what goes for uh, sadly, Christianity uh, presently is that uh, uh, people and churches are, are forming a Jesus and teaching 
a Jesus that is not really the Jesus of the Bible. Um, they, they want to, um, for example, emphasize um, uh, only the love of Jesus, but not the judgment. Jesus, is, uh, Jesus says that all judgment has been committed to me. Uh, and that everybody will appear before me on that final day. And so Jesus uh, is um, uh, a loving Savior. But he's also, again, a very just judge. And, and so we have to, again, um, realize that likewise, uh, Jesus has appointed the doctrine that is to be taught and to be believed. We can't, we can't add to or subtract from the doctrine. We can't worship him in the way we want to worship him. We have to worship him the way he's appointed. And so it's very narrow in that sense, very exclusive. Uh, uh, the gospel is very exclusive. There's not, again, um, uh, with regard to uh, Christ and his death, we can't, we can't bring along our own righteousness um, and yet look to Christ. We can't uh, say that I'm trusting in Christ and yet I'm trusting in uh, my own good works at the same time. Uh, you can't come to Christ on the basis of something that you see is within you or something you have done. You have to leave all of that behind. Uh, God doesn't accept any of the things that we've done. Uh, God doesn't accept any of the things that we um, um, uh, believe about ourselves as being uh, worthy or good or anything like that. All of that, the Lord says, is as filthy rags. And so there's, a, a, as I said, an exclusivity. We have, to, we have to come to Christ without all of that, that baggage. Uh, we have to come to him uh, as those who are sinners who need uh, his grace and his grace alone uh, to rescue and save us and, and to, to forsake uh, any of that righteousness that we think we have on our own. Uh, it's not acceptable before him. And so, I, again, that's the exclusive, exclusivity uh, aspect of coming to Christ as the door. A lot of people have the idea, well, if, uh, if somebody's simply sincere, uh, Jesus will accept them regardless of what they think about him or believe about him or what they believe, as long as they're just sincere. And so basically, um, uh, sincerity um, becomes the su supreme standard for truth, if somebody's sincere. Uh, what we, again, have to understand the Bible teaches is that um, uh, someone can be sincerely wrong uh, people uh, can be sincere murderers. Uh, they can, in other words, they, they sincerely believe that what they're doing has some justification. Uh, they can be very sincere about, uh, about that. Uh, 
uh, you know, the people in, in Nazi Germany, uh, I, I think, were sincere f followers. They were very sincere about thinking that they were doing what was right um, in, in, their, uh, in their following um, the uh, teaching, the practice, the policies uh, of Nazi Germany. Uh, they were committed to those principles. They were sincere. Many, many false religions, very sincere people and false religions, but sincerity is not what determines truth. Uh, you remember in Pro uh, Proverbs 14, 12, uh, the wisest mere man that ever lived, uh, Solomon, he says, uh, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So there is a way which seems right, that someone would be very sincere uh, about that uh, way as being right, the right way to go. But in God's word it says that may very well be a way of death. So we have to, we have to understand it's, it's not, um, sincerity is not the supreme standard for truth. Uh, but rather, the supreme standard for truth is God and His Word. Uh, that's the only standard that is supreme uh, that God has given to us. Um, His own holy and inspired Word. That's why Jesus said in John 17, 17 Thy Word is truth. Not sincerity is truth. Thy Word is truth. Um, see, if, you, if, if sincerity is the standard for truth and everybody, what everybody thinks uh, uh, is right, what everyone is sincere about is their truth. And so you hear somebody say, well, that's your truth, that's your truth. And, and that, that's what they're basing it upon, basically, is you know, somebody sincere uh, about what they believe, that's their truth. And we have to respect their truth. Well, again, God doesn't judge based upon each person's truth. He has a, 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 an objective standard of righteousness by which he judges all men. And that doesn't change. That doesn't change at all. And so, again, this idea of Jesus being the door, um, it means that he is the... Uh, the supreme standard, the objective standard of what is right, what is wrong, uh, he is the truth. Jesus said, you remember in John 14, 6, I am the way, not one of the ways, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So, Understand again how important that that metaphor is when Jesus says he's the door. <clears throat> he also used, you know, just like he uses here the metaphor of him being a door. You remember earlier, Jesus called himself the bread of life. He called himself the living water. He called himself the light of the world. 
In this chapter, he calls himself the door, uh, and he also calls himself the good shepherd. So the Lord uses different metaphors to instruct us and teach us about himself, so that, uh, again, we have um, a good understanding of who Jesus is. Look with me next at verse 8, John 10, 8. So Jesus continues, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. <clears throat> when Jesus says, All that came before me, uh, he does not mean here all without exception who came before me uh, were thieves and robbers. He's not saying that all of the prophets of the Old Testament and John the Baptist, uh, you know, all of them were thieves and robbers that came before him in that sense. Most likely what the Lord is saying here when he says all that came before me were thieves and robbers, he's talking about all uh, in a more narrow sense to refer to all within a certain class of people, all of those within this class of people, the, namely the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, all of them who came before him uh, were thieves and robbers. Uh, they didn't come through Christ the door. They're the ones who climbed over the, the wall to get to the sheep. And uh, so, that's most likely who Jesus is here condemning. Um, they put themselves forward as shepherds of the sheep, but Jesus is saying they are actually thieves and robbers. Now, uh, at this point, he hasn't specifically identified and pointed his finger directly at the Pharisees and the religious leaders he's speaking to, he's making more generic statements, but he's going to be pointing the finger directly at them uh, in this chapter. But he's simply laying out right now uh, the general principles that those who climb over the wall are thieves and robbers, and that all who came before him were thieves and robbers. Um, they weren't true shepherds of the sheep, but he's going to, he's going to apply it uh, here, um, not, in the, uh, not in the lesson this evening, but he will in chapter 10. And he says that, that the, the true sheep uh, did not hear them. Uh, the true sheep didn't listen to these thieves and robbers, the, the religious leaders at that time. Um, and uh, evidence uh, that they were the true sheep, um, uh, that they truly believed in, in the Lord, was that they recognized that the, the Pharisees and the uh, Sadducees, the, the religious leaders, uh, were um, not true shepherds. Uh, that, that was evidence that they saw something wrong with these men, that they weren't faithful that they weren't teaching God's word, that they were teaching another form of salvation, uh, which wasn't 
there really isn't any other way of salvation than coming through Christ, but they were teaching another way. And uh, so the Lord, again, uh, says that the true sh sheep did not follow them, uh, did not listen to them, did not believe them, uh, but they did, the true sheep did listen, again, as we'll see, did listen to Christ. They did follow the Lord Jesus. And that was an indication that they were true sheep because they followed him. And uh, the way in which they identified as um, Jesus noted in another passage that they were not to be followed, that these religious leaders were not to be followed, was by using a different metaphor, the fruit in their lives. Uh, uh, the, in John or Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us and tells his own disciples how to identify who are false teachers, uh, false ministers. You identify them by their fruit, Jesus says, as well as those that are faithful by their fruit, by the fruit of their doctrine, by what they teach as well as the fruit of their lives, how they live it out. And so, um, even if Jesus said in Matthew 7, even if he says, many will come to me on that last day and will say, Lord, Lord, uh, didn't we you know, uh, prophesy in thy name? Didn't we um, cast out demons in thy name? Didn't we perform many wondrous works in thy name? And Jesus uh, says, that he will say to them, depart from me, ye who work iniquity, I never knew you. And so they did not have, even though they did these things using the name of Christ, they didn't truly, um, they just used the name of Christ. It was not because they, again, were actual believers and trusted in Jesus Christ. They simply used the name of Christ. Um, and, uh, and so again, uh, we, we understand and identify both who are false teachers as well as those who are faithful teachers, those who are false shepherds, and uh, those who are true shepherds, faithful shepherds, by the fruit of doctrine and by the fruit of one's life. Not perfection, not sinlessness in life, but again, faithfulness. And uh, where there is uh, sin that is of a, of a nature, whether it be sin against some of the sheep or whether it be sin against all of the sheep, that there is, an, there is a willingness and a desire to repent uh, of sin and to um, seek forgiveness. Uh, that, that is a part of, again, living a faithful life for all of us, but especially for a shepherd of the sheep, you know, to... Uh, to provide that type of an example. Verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, uh, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus emphasizes uh, to these Jewish religious leaders that, uh, 
that he's not only the door through whom all faithful shepherds uh, must enter into the sheepfold, into the, sh into the church, but he's also the door through whom all true believers must pass in order to be saved uh, from sin and from condemnation. He's that door too for all believers, not just for ministers to pass through, <clears throat> but for all uh, to come to. I come through. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. There is no salvation, again, except through Jesus Christ, through his death, uh, faith in his death, uh, as a sacrifice for that, for that person's sins, and faith uh, in uh, Christ's resurrection, that he was raised from the dead, uh, to show and demonstrate he's the son of God and that sin had actually been forgiven or uh, paid for, had actually been paid for uh, by his death. Otherwise, he would have remained in the grave uh, if, Christ did not, if God did not accept the sacrifice of Christ. Jesus would not have been raised from the dead. His resurrection demonstrates and proves that God did accept his sacrifice for all of those that he... Uh, paid uh, for that sin on the cross. <clears throat> and so uh, it's not through baptism that we're saved. Uh, it's not through any other of the ordinances of the church, um, sacraments of the church that we are saved. It's not by our own good works that we perform that we are saved but it's through faith in Jesus Christ alone uh, that we are saved. Faith and trust in Jesus, which again, true faith will always bring forth uh, faithfulness, will always bring forth uh, a love to obey God, a love and a desire to follow him, uh, to read his word, to understand his word, and to walk in obedience to his word. And so true faith will always evidence itself, but it's not those works that follow faith that, that save us. It is faith and trust in Jesus as my substitute, as, as the one who died for me and my sins, and trusting in him alone. Uh, that, is, um, that is the only kind of faith uh, that, uh, that opens that door, uh, Jesus uh, and brings salvation. <clears throat> Notice in verse 9, it says, um, Jesus says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. And then he says, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Uh, the going in and out of the of the uh, to find pasture to find a place to feed uh, that that indicates a kind of freedom um, being able to go in and out um, with the shepherd not by oneself but following the shepherd going in following the shepherd out to find pasture um, that's a kind of freedom and a liberty um, that uh, that is given to those who come to Christ not a liberty to do whatever they want to do, 
not a, that's again a worldly idea of freedom, freedom you know that I, I can do whatever I want to do. That's, that's not a biblical view of freedom. A biblical view of freedom is doing what God wants us to do. Uh, that, that's true freedom. In fact, uh, doing whatever we want to do is called bondage. Uh, it's called slavery, in, according to God in, in Scripture. That's bondage. But doing what God wants us to do, where we have that ability, where we have that desire and, and, and love to do what God wants us to do, that's freedom. And so the Lord uh, says that the, the sheep go in and out uh, to pasture. Uh, that's, again, the pasture is where Christ feeds us. What does he feed us with? Well, he feeds us with his sacraments. He feeds us with his ordinances, the preaching of the word, uh, the reading of the word. He, he, uh, he feeds us with his commandments. Uh, all of those things are the ways in which the Lord feeds us. And uh, so we, uh, we need to understand, again, um, you know, we are we do not, as sheep, have to be driven to want to eat. Um, we, uh, as sheep, uh, want to eat. We should want to eat. Um, and the the that which we should want to eat is again that which Jesus provides for us, uh, that which He has given to us. As I said. You know, his ordinances, the, the preaching, the reading of his word, the singing of psalms unto, unto him, uh, the instruction and teaching of God's word, uh, the prayers uh, that, are, that are offered to God both at home, in secret, in, in worship, uh, corporate worship, uh, the um, uh, commandments of the Lord. All of these are the ways in which the Lord feeds us. And so, uh, let us not confuse the door with the green pastures, therefore. Uh, we don't enter through the green pastures to be saved. We enter through the door, and the, once we are through the door, Jesus leads us into the green pastures. So, again, understand the order here. We have to come through Christ. Then... He takes us to the green pastures to feed us. <clears throat> That's what Psalm 23, very familiar psalm, is emphasizing. Uh, psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So again, that those three verses there are speaking of what Jesus is saying in John 10, that, that having come through the door, uh, he then becomes our shepherd to lead us into these green pastures to feed upon his truth. Uh, that's, that's what is our food, his truth. Uh, that's how, as sheep, we grow, is with the nourishment of his food. And that's what 
David is saying in Psalm 23 when he says that God, the Lord is our shepherd uh, and that he leadeth us into green pastures beside still waters. Um, it, those are metaphors. What do they represent? They represent what he says next. He restoreth my soul. How does he restore our soul? By causing us to walk in the paths of righteousness. It's truth and his righteousness. Uh, that's, that's the, again, the green pastures and the, and, and the water uh, uh, for us as sheep. Verse 10, John 10, 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So the thief that climbs over the wall <clears throat> doesn't come to the sheepfold, that is to the church, uh, in order to uh, make the sheep healthy, to do good to the sheep, uh, but rather to do injury to the sheep, to do harm to the sheep. Uh, otherwise, he would have come through the door, through Christ, not be jumping over the wall through some other way to get to the sheep. Uh, uh, those who jump over the wall uh, to, to the sheep have uh, a selfish uh, ambition. They're, they're self-motivated uh, uh, for their own selfish advantage um, uh, to use the sheep in some way for their own benefit, for their own profit, whether financially uh, or some other uh, reason it's not for their own they're not it's not for the spiritual benefit of the sheep uh, otherwise again they would have come through Christ through the gospel the gospel of Christ through the teaching of Christ through the commandments of Christ through the ordinances of Christ but they're they're jumping over the wall because they have their own agenda uh, not not that of Christ Again, though Jesus here is not yet directly pointing his finger at the Jewish religious leaders to whom he's speaking, uh, nevertheless, they're the very ones that he has in mind. Um, uh, they were, uh, Jesus called them in, throughout Matthew 23. If you remember um, our, Old our New Testament scripture reading this past Lord's Day, Matthew 23, um, he said uh, uh, continually throughout the chapter, woe unto you, you know, Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, hypocrites, uh, the word for hypocrite, uh, in, they are used in the Greek uh, language is uh, the word for actor. You're a bunch of actors. Uh, you're not, again, uh, those uh, who truly believe and trust in me uh, but you're actors, or to use the, the metaphor in John 10, uh, you're thieves and robbers that are jumped over the wall. And so like a thief, they've come to, Jesus says, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Uh, not for the good of the sheep. They've come to steal the souls of, of those who profess um, faith in Christ, to steal them, 
by way of his, the, the false, the, the thieves by way of their false doctrine, their false teaching. Uh, they've come to not only steal the souls, but also to kill their souls by way of works righteousness. Uh, telling them that they can be saved by, by way of not looking to Christ's righteousness, but looking to their own righteousness. Not looking to Christ's obedience on their behalf, but looking to their own obedience as meriting God's favor. So that's, again, to kill the soul. That type of a so-called gospel, which Paul says is not truly another gospel, because there's only one gospel. There's only one good news. That's really bad news. That's really damning news, not, not good news. Because anyone who's looking to their own righteousness um, is going to have to pay for their sin for all eternity. Uh, sin has to be, every single sin has to be paid for. It's either Jesus has paid for my sin or I have to pay for my sin for all eternity. Someone has to pay for sin because God is a just judge and he cannot allow any sin to go unpunished. And so these false teachers kill the souls by way of works righteousness. And then they've come to destroy and uh, they've come then to destroy their souls forever in hell. Still their souls by way of false doctrine, kill their souls by way of works righteousness, destroy their souls forever in hell. But Jesus sharply contrasts uh, the Jewish religious leaders with himself when he says that he has come, in verse 10, but he says, I am come that they might have life, that is that the sheep might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So he sharply, Jesus sharply contrasts here uh, himself uh, with the Jewish religious leaders. Jesus has come, and he'll say in the next verse, which we'll get, begin uh, to look at next Bible study, but Jesus then clearly identifies himself as changing the metaphor from the door, which he said he was, now he's going, for beginning in verse 11, he's going to identify himself as the good shepherd. But he begins that contrast in verse 10 by saying, I have come that they might have life. That is, Jesus is saying, I've come to give a spiritual life uh, uh, to those uh, who are my sheep. I've come to give them spiritual life so that they uh, uh, can believe, so they can trust in me, so that they can uh, serve me, uh, so that they can receive forgiveness of sins, so they can receive the righteousness of Christ, uh, so they can walk in loving obedience. That's life, and I've come to give them life beginning here in this world, beginning in this earth. I've come to give life to be basically born again. I've come to, to give life by way of them being born again, by way of them being declared righteous, by way of them be, 
of being adopted into the family of God by way of being sanctified and purified and ultimately glorified in heaven. I've come to give life, not to take life away from them. A lot of people think, again, if I become a Christian, that, that, that's no life. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, going to be uh, everything I, I think is fun and enjoyable in his life is going to be taken from me if I become a Christian. Jesus says just the opposite. I've come to bring life, not to take your life away, but to give you true life. To give you a true reason for living in this world. To give you meaning and purpose. Other than just living and dying and that's it. No giving you meaning and purpose for why you're living now. And then to give it more abundantly, to give life even more abundantly, and to give you, in other words, eternal life that will never end in heaven with God, where, wherein we will forever be serving Him, forever praising Him, rather than suffering for all eternity in hell. And so, as I close this evening, if we only have hope in this life, uh, we're no different than anyone else. We're no different than any other non-Christian. We're not any different than anyone in any other religion if we only have hope in this world. Jesus promises a hope beyond this world. He promises a hope forever in glory. And eye has not seen nor ear heard nor can we even imagine the beauty and the glory and the joy and the blessing of that glory. The, the best day that you've ever had that you might look upon here that you've lived in this world or the best hour that you've ever spent or whatever it may be whatever you consider the best is so in uh, infinitely small compared to one second in heaven and yet there is no end there is no varying there is no good day or bad day in heaven it is supremely enjoyable forever and ever. Psalm 1611, David says, and this is speaking by way of a, a prophetic utterance of Christ, thou uh, wilt show me the way of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's the glory that we have. That's the more abundant life. Not only life in this world, which is wondrous, but Jesus came to give it even more abundantly that our life transcends this world. Our, our life is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, in his life. 
our life is wrapped up in, 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 uh, in God, uh, our God. What fear grips those who do not have this certain hope? What do, what do they have to look forward to? What, what, what are they thinking about when they die? What fear grips their hearts? But for we who have that hope, what peace grips our hearts uh, at the time we, at the time of our death? And so let us live daily in consciously reminding ourselves, let us live daily in that hope of Jesus Christ, that that hope may fill our hearts as we even breathe our last breath here upon the earth, that that hope will fill us. And dear ones, it's not time when death comes to, to be filled with that hope. It's time right now to be filled with that hope. Not when we're dying and breathing our last breath, because I dare say the only way that we'll, we will have that hope as we are dying is if we have been living in that hope while we are now here upon the earth. And the closer that you get to that time, none of us knows when we're going to die, but the older that we get, we tend to think about those things a lot more than when we were younger. And uh, I happen to think about it a lot, the older that I get. And uh, I don't want that time uh, to be a time of struggling. You know, uh, I want that time to be a time for me and I want that time to be a time for you uh, which uh, hope fills our hearts uh, because we've lived in hope. So let's uh, stand in prayer. Thou art our hope, our, our living Savior. We thank thee that thou hast come to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And we do come to thee as thou art our door. Thou art the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through thee, Lord Jesus. We thank thee for thy word. Thy word is truth. It is not our mere sincerity that determines the condition of our soul, it is whether we are sincere about the truth, about Jesus Christ, about uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, uh, we look to thee even now and pray that thou would take thy word that has been spoken, the words that have been spoken by this earthly shepherd, uh, we pray that, Lord, would be received and heard um, as the voice of the Good Shepherd has spoken through this earthly shepherd. We ask 
our Lord to go with us this evening, watch over us through this week. Lord, be with not only the sheep, but with the lambs. Lord, watch over our lambs and thy lambs, our, our Lord, that thou would draw them unto thyself. Grant to them, Lord, life and abundant life. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Any questions uh, this evening? All right, thank you all for joining us.